0: I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled Closed Communion, Biblical, Historical, Lutheran, and Loving. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Nancy Almodovar writes about her journey from the profound doubt produced by her former Calvinist beliefs to the absolute certainty of Lutheran theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. It's one of those subjects that has been just source of confusion, really serious confusion in the life of the church. Almost from the beginning of the church, the question of man's will was kind of the playground of the heretics. There were some that said man's will toward God, to move toward God, to obey God, to believe in God remained intact after the fall. Others said, well, not completely. And others nuanced it even more and said, well, just barely. But what do the Lutheran confessions do when they take up the subject of man's free will? Well, they're very, very careful to begin with. Welcome back to Issues Etc. It's our series on Lutheran confessions. We're going to be in the Solid Declaration of the Formula of Concord talking about free will. Pastor Paul McCain joins us He's publisher and executive director of editorial for Concordia Publishing House based in St. Louis. He's also general editor of Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions. Paul, welcome back.
1: Todd, great to be with you.
0: There was obviously a big difference between the Reformers and the Church of Rome on the issue of man's will, especially in conversion. But there was also a controversy between the Lutherans on this subject. What were the sides of that debate?
1: Yeah, this is a very, very important article. I mean, we always say that everything's important. But if you put this article, Article 2, starting with, you start with Article 1 in the Solid Declaration, go to 2, which is on free will, and then the next article is on the righteousness of Christ. These three articles, if I mean, I'm almost willing to say if you were to read nothing else in the entire Book of Concord, but these three articles, you would totally get what it is to be a Lutheran. This article deals with the question, is there anything that we can bring to the table when it comes to receiving God's grace? Is there anything we can bring to the table? Is there anything we should bring to the table? Is there anything we must bring to the table? Now, Rome went all the way over and said we should and we must bring our free will, our assent to grace, to the table, in various ways. And we've talked about before that this old error in the early church of Pelagianism reared its ugly head again in the high Middle Ages. But the subtle issue where Lutherans argued with Lutherans was with Philip Melanchthon, pretty early on, when he kept tinkering with the Augsburg Confession of all documents, he kept tinkering and tinkering and tinkering, it reached a point where he added the concept of the free will assenting or not resisting grace and at that point then he puts on the table when it comes to how we are saved by grace through faith alone he put back onto the table some element of human cooperation with grace and that issue plagued the lutheran church after luther's death it particularly flared during 1555 to 1560. And ironically, for our Missouri Synod listeners who are familiar with the Missouri Synod's own history, we went through in this church body the exact same controversy when it came to the doctrine of election, but it really became once again a controversy over what is grace and how does man prepare himself to receive it? How can he prepare himself to receive it? They were all trying to come up with solutions to those questions, and those questions are wrong to begin with. It was called the Great Gnadensstreit in the Missouri Synod, German for the great struggle over grace. So, this issue will always be lively, particularly for American Lutherans, where we are surrounded by church bodies that teach man must bring some kind of degree of cooperation to, quote unquote, receive Jesus, to accept God's grace, so on and so forth. Explain the term synergism. Yeah, synergism is a combination of two greek words seeing which is with and ergos which is work does man work with the holy spirit in a sense of cooperation to receive grace and to continue to stay in god's grace for his salvation in other words they put an element of the human will the human will which we carefully reviewed last time when it comes to original sin The formula of Concord clearly established that we are absolutely dead in trespasses and sin. Many of us heard the story of the raising of Lazarus last Sunday. Lazarus, oh, let me just ask this, let me ask the listener. Can you please tell me what Lazarus contributed to his resurrection? What did he bring to the table? Nothing. He was bound up in cloths, dead as a doornail. His sister said, Lord, he stinks now. Don't make us roll the stone away. Jesus' word brought forth Lazarus from the tomb. Similarly, the Holy Spirit, through the word of Jesus, his gospel, brings us dead people out of our death into new life. So we do not, there was no synergism. Lazarus did nothing to work with Christ. He was simply receiving the pure, unmitigated love and grace of Jesus Christ.
0: So in a nutshell, if we permit to man's will any cooperation contribution in his conversion from unbeliever to believer is the doctrine of justification itself then put at stake
1: yes not that we can make it untrue or unso i need to be very clear here because when we talk about errors and doctrine many pious well-intentioned beautiful christians hear this and they're afraid like, oh no, if I make a mistake, am I lost? Have I lost my justification? Absolutely not. The goal of this conversation, the goal of the entire book of Concord, yes, is to declare the truth and to refute error. But again, the goal is always for the comfort of the sinner. So we're not saying any of this to try to make anybody feel like, oh my goodness, if I don't have all these facts and details completely straight in my mind, I'm lost. No, rather, we want To make it possible for everybody to rejoice in the pure good news that god has done it all for us because the minute we interject into any of this the idea that we again can must or should should being the worst can being the camel's nose in the tent we have just put doubt into the equation we have put doubt into the equation i was just talking to a dear friend of mine the other night and i said if there is any doubt in your mind about your salvation in jesus christ it's not because what god wants for you rather you have allowed this into your life if you listen to people who are suggesting to you that you're not quote unquote a good enough christian because you cannot identify the exact second in which you quote unquote decided to receive jesus this is ridiculous when again when did lazarus decide to receive jesus when he was dead in the tomb he didn't. 1 Corinthians 2.4 says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We have to let these powerful scriptures simply have their way with us and speak in this way. We cannot allow doubt to be on the table.
0: Pastor Paul McCain is our guest general editor of Concordia, The Lutheran Confessions, our series on The Lutheran Confessions. We're talking about the free will in the Solid Declaration, the Formula of Concord. Next, what aspect of man's will do the Reformers want to focus on?
2: Grace, faith, Scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Jesus the Good Shepherd says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and
2: they follow me. I give them eternal life. We invite you to join us as we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and follow Him who gives us eternal life. Sunday worship services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 10.30, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church,
0: Arnold, Missouri, on the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. That's goodshepherdarnold.org. I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled Closed Communion, Biblical, Historical, Lutheran, and Loving. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Nancy Almodovar writes about her journey from the profound doubt produced by her former Calvinist beliefs to the absolute certainty of Lutheran theology. The free online Issues Etc.
3: journal, issuesetc.org. What is the Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's a monthly magazine on faith and life, theology and culture that helps readers interpret the contemporary world from a Lutheran Christian perspective. Filled with expert insights, good writing, and inspiring stories, it also provides essential church information for LCMS members. What is The Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's the flagship periodical of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and it has been for more than a century. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe today. Our cities are some of the greatest mission fields on the planet, but the footprint of the church is shrinking. We dare not shrink from our cities. Christ is needed now in our urban areas. From chaos, turmoil, decay, death, and destruction, Jesus brings peace, hope, resurrection, eternal life, and rebuilding. And you can help by being a hero for the city. Find out how at lcms.org slash citymission or on Facebook at LCMS City Mission. Every city needs a hero. Capes and helmets not required. Thanks
0: to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor. Atonement Lutheran, Glendale, Arizona. Concordia Lutheran, Geneseo, Illinois. Grace Lutheran, Auburn, Michigan. Emmanuel Lutheran, Alexandria, Virginia. Messiah Lutheran, Lebanon, Illinois. Our Savior Lutheran, Stevensville, Montana. Redeemer Lutheran, Mandeville, Louisiana. St. John Lutheran, Port Sanilac, Michigan. St. Paul Lutheran, Long Beach, California, and Trinity Lutheran, San Dimas, California. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print the one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the radio, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about free will in the Solid Declaration of the Formula of Concord in our series on the Lutheran Confessions with Pastor Paul McCain. Paul, the Reformers want to make some careful distinctions about what they're really focusing on here. They traditionally kind of put man's will into four stages. Man's will before the fall, after the fall, after conversion, and after after the resurrection, which of those do they want to focus on?
1: This is post-fall, pre-resurrection.
0: We're focusing completely on conversion.
1: Yes, yes. They're trying to deal with this issue that we must be assured of a gracious God. We must have that assurance. Uh, One of our fathers in the Missouri Synod who wrote an introduction to this article puts it very well. This is Friedrich Bente, who wrote, "...indeed consistently carried out synergism destroys the central Christian truth of justification by grace alone and with it the assurance of a gracious God. And if I could just kind of continue here, Todd, just so we get this in, where does this all come from? Human beings always want to try to delve into the mysteries of God. And so we begin to ask ourselves, well, why are some converted and some aren't? Who's to blame? We can't blame God, but perhaps there's something they did or didn't do or if they only would have done enough and again this all started when philip melanchthon in 1548 put forward that part of the equation here is man's cooperating will cooperate that is latin for synergism you have synergism are two greek words cooperation are the two latin words So man's cooperating will is one of the causes of salvation. He started it, he made the mess, and then the solid declaration came along and cleaned it up. So it's interesting that that
0: Melanchthon's error here and those who followed him was kind of the mildest form of synergism. It assigned so little to man in his conversion, just a weak, this extremely little weak little Movement yeah. of not fighting the Holy Spirit anymore. Why was that so dangerous? Well,
1: again, because people who are sensitive spiritually, you know, and I said this to my, actually, I was talking to my daughter about all this. She's dealing with charismatics where she is, and you can imagine the mess they bring. But the minute you let any of this little stuff in, look what it does to you. It, you begin to doubt: am I really a Christian? Did I really make a decision? what if I don't feel it all the time? What if there's, you know, I'm not like these quote unquote spiritual people, but Melanchthon started this because he just had to get something in there, this cooperating will. Well, you know, the least we can do and probably do is cooperate. Now, you know, I can hear people who are great Melanchthon scholars, if they bother to listen to this, are saying, well, there's a lot more nuance to this than that. Of course there is, but give me a break. The bottom line is the bottom line. The solid declaration makes it very clear that these errors by Melanchthon were absolutely rejected. The Gnesio Lutheran position was absolutely affirmed. So there's no room whatsoever for any modern Luther scholars. And I have to say this, you know, Timothy Wanger and the ELCA is the one who has spent so much time trying to rehabilitate the legacy of Philip Melanchthon. He's wrong, Melanchthon was wrong. The solid declaration gets it exactly right and rejects Melanchthon's great error. In my opinion, yes, Melanchthon went wrong on many things, but this is his most fundamental error that nobody really noticed for years later. But notice he did this the year after Luther died. Luther died in 1547. Melanchthon comes along in 1548 and finally puts this language into yet another revision of the Augsburg Confession, and he continued to do it in his doctrinal Lotzi Theologacy, which got bigger and bigger and bigger. Chemnitz, Melanchthon's great student, came along and used Melanchthon's structure for doctrine, but he had to correct Melanchthon. And you say, why are you so why is this so upsetting to you? Why you sound angry about this, Paul. Yeah, I am. When we give people doubt, when we create doubt in their minds of how God has worked in their life, it's absolutely horrible. We just can't have this. The bottom line is, Adam fell into sin, all mankind is spiritually dead, okay? We covered that last week. Utterly unable to contribute in any degree or manner toward justification and conversion. We are only active. If you want to talk about what we can do, we can resist it. We can reject it. We can deny it. We can run away from it. But God alone in every single respect is the one totally responsible for our conversion, our perseverance in the faith, and our final salvation. So we have to maintain this. This is what justification by faith alone means. This is exactly what it means. When they get to making
0: affirmative statements, they're going to make affirmative statements and the negative statements as well. The first affirmative statement that they want to make is that mankind's reason or natural intellect does still have a dim spark of the knowledge that there
1: is a God. How do they explain that? Yes, because this is what the Bible teaches. You know, Romans 1, 9, Paul says, for what can be known about God, okay, now this is interesting, what can be known about God, and if we were to put a parenthesis in there, as we come into this world, what can be known about God, this is Romans 1, 19 to 21, is plain to them because God has shown it to them now. But what are those things? He's powerful. He's eternal. He's divine. We all perceive these things through the creation of the world. And so we are without excuse. But in that list is not included anything about God's love. Honestly, the natural knowledge of God should lead everybody to think God is a powerful Being a creator, an incredibly intelligent being, a higher power, for lack of better words. And he's probably really angry and ticked off at everybody because look at all the messes in the world. That's all you can know about God that there is a God, there is a higher being, there is a greater intelligence out there. But none of this has anything to do with his love for us. We cannot know any of that apart from Jesus Christ because. We are, by nature, ignorant, and I'm quoting from the Confessions, paragraph 9 here in this article, we are ignorant, blind, and perverted. And so even the most, again, a quote, the most ingenious and learned people on earth read or hear the gospel, they cannot by their own power perceive it, apprehend it, understand it, or believe it to be true. So
0: the point here is that man does retain what we would call a natural knowledge of god but does not know that god in any sense that could be construed as faith or even movement toward faith
1: yeah we are we are reminded of saint paul's speech on the areopagus in acts where he says i perceive you know that you're very religious i see all these statues around and i saw one statue and It didn't have a name of a God, it just simply said, to the unknown God. And then from that point, he proceeds to preach this magnificent sermon. What you basically saying, okay, I'm here to tell you about the God that you recognize but don't know, and now I'm gonna go on to tell you about him. And I wanted to also say this, Todd, as we look at this article, we see these extensive quotations from the Bible. You don't see that all the time in the Lutheran confessions. That's not a bad thing. They're just explaining it. But here they spell out these key Bible verses, 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 1.21, Ephesians 4.17-18, Matthew 13. And here I'd like to quote Jesus. To you, talking to his disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, he gives us the ability to understand. Romans 3, 11 to 12 says, No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. You cannot read that text and somehow come along with, well, yeah, but there's still an element of cooperation when it comes to our salvation, our will has to cooperate. It's just so deadly wrong. So... The natural person, it
0: seems to me, then, we're not denying that he has a will or that he Mm -hmm. has reason or has an intellect, but that it is cut off because of his sin from God himself, from his creator.
1: Sure. let, Let me just use a simple illustration, which I think is helpful. You don't have to be a Christian to stop at a stop sign or to obey a red light or to not break into somebody's house and steal. That doesn't require Christian faith. That is simply natural law, which God has hardwired that into his entire creation. It's the hardware, it's the logic board of creation. We don't need to try to figure that out. Throughout history, you can see all the examples of civilizations and cultures who do have a basic sense of how one behaves toward fellow human beings. We're not talking about that. That's the common, universal, natural law in natural man. But when it comes to spiritual and divine things, we read, for instance, in Ephesians 5.8, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Acts 26.18 says that the holy spirit opens our eyes turns us from darkness to light from the power of satan to god and that's how we receive the forgiveness of sins so there's a stark contrast between how far we can know anything about god and does it matter one whit whatsoever when it comes to a saving relationship with him
0: they pause a little bit at paragraph 14 to make the distinction between what they're discussing, man before conversion, and Christians, they say, to godly Christians who feel and experience in their hearts a small spark or longing yeah, for divine yes. grace. What are they talking about?
1: There? I love this paragraph. This I have used this so often with people. I always like to say this. The only people who would even think to ask, am I really a Christian? Do I really believe are people who already believe people who have fallen away and i go back to the example of king david who fell away he was completely rejecting the grace of god through a series of very willful and deliberate sins lusting after a woman adultery with that woman plotting to have her husband killed having her husband killed the lies and lies and lies until the prophet went to king david and preach the law of god to him and david was moved to realize that's me i must repent but people who are running away from god don't even realize it but this is such a comforting thing to all godly christians who feel and experience in their hearts a small longing for divine grace this is very comforting because they should know it's god who has kindled in their hearts this beginning of true godliness he will further strengthen and help them in their great weakness to persevere in true faith unto the end that's such a by the way there's another great example of the book of concord's deeply pastoral concern
0: we're talking with pastor paul mccain general editor of concordia the lutheran confessions about free will in the solid declaration of the formula of concord i'm todd wilkin each edition of the free online Issues Etc. journal contains a feature called the Wittenberg Trail where authors detail their journey to the Lutheran Confession. The latest journals contains... Dr. Nancy Almodovar's story about going from the uncertainty of Reformed theology to the certainty of the Lutheran Confession. You can subscribe to the online Issues Etc. Journal absolutely free at our website, issuesetc.org. Click the red subscription button, enter your email address, and we will send it to you absolutely free. We'll get to the second affirmative statement about how man is actively working toward evil apart from God next.
4: In many ways, St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bel Air, Maryland is just like any other Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Church. They have worship services each Sunday and reach out to their community, but one thing they don't do is pay their electric bill. Hello, this is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. And if you want to hear what St. Matthew actually did to eliminate their electric bill, just visit InterestTime.org. That's InterestTime.org org. The Simply Classical Curriculum for Special Needs moves at my child's pace and gives her exactly what she needs. So writes Amber,
0: a homeschooling mother who has joined thousands in homes and schools teaching from this uniquely Christian classical approach to special education. Teach students with autism, learning disabilities, or Down syndrome based on ability level rather than chronological age. Use promo code LPR20 today at classicalspecialneeds.com classicalspecialneeds.com
2: Sanctifying your child-rearing with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. Lutheran Federal Credit Union serves the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod community with car and personal loans, mortgages, credit cards, checking and savings accounts. Lutheran FCU supports LCMS organizations with its Spotlight Ministry program. And Lutheran Federal Credit Union allows you to make purchases with Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay using your digital wallet. Learn more at lutheranfcu.org. Good for you, good for the church. Lutheran Federal Credit Union, lutheranfcu.org. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com, and like them on Facebook, facebook.com slash Academy.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Paul McCain is our guest Our series is the Lutheran Confessions. We're talking about free will and the solid declaration of the formula of Concord. Paul, the second affirmative statement that they make is, God's word testifies that the intellect, heart, and will of the natural, unregenerate person in divine things are not only turned entirely away from God, but also turned and perverted against God to every evil. Why is that important?
1: (laughs) It's like, God's law is kicking us while we're down. Okay, I can't convert myself. Yeah, I'm dead. Oh, no. It's not only that I'm dead, but I'm actively working against God. And these passages from Scripture are so clear here. Romans 8, 21. The intention of man's heart is evil. And some of our translations say evil continually from his youth. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all all things desperately sick who can understand it st paul comes back to this in romans 8 the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god not just indifferent not just like eh, i don't care hostile to god the desires of our flesh by nature are against the spirit galatians five seventeen. what the holy spirit wants for us runs contrary to what our flesh wants they're opposed so then again romans uh, 7 18 saint paul says i know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh and then that great passage about he sees in himself this war between the new man and the old man and what i want to do i don't do and what i don't want to do i see myself doing so it's not just a matter of kind of a kind of a passive hostility or kind of a state of war between god and us we are actively because of the, the devil the world and our own sinful flesh we're an active war with god as we are before we are brought to faith in christ
0: so in other words and i love this paragraph in 19 because of this holy scriptures compare the heart of the unregenerate sure. person to a hard stone it does not yield to the one who touches it but resist and i think there's another place in there where it says you know it's not like we're neutral or merely mm-hmm. passive here we fight we actively fight against god The question comes here then, Paul, is you talk to an unbeliever, they don't feel like they're fighting God. They've been Mm. told Jesus loves them, and they say, oh, great. I wish him Mm -hmm. well when you see him next time, and they go about their business, and and they say, my life doesn't look like I'm fighting. I'm good with God. I, I want
1: him to leave me alone, but I'm good with him. Well, you know, it strikes me, and we've had these conversations before, in our very well understood and very well intentioned i'm not just using cliches i mean that on the part of some among us who want so desperately to comfort people they sometimes do a very quick skip step over repentance and what that actually means we are doing nobody any favors to rush to comfort them when we realize they don't get it they don't realize how dire their situation really is And feeling bad about something is not the same as repenting of sin. We just have to put it out there. You can feel bad about something and have no intention whatsoever of repenting of it and doing anything about it. So here's the thing. As they say, it does not mean, this whole thing doesn't mean a person fails to understand outward worldly things. That's that person you're just talking about, like, oh, yeah, Jesus, he's nice but he cannot even not do evil things and in paragraph 20 todd we don't have time to read it all but i just wanted to make a couple points we see again how the solid declaration does appeal to martin luther in detail they're appealing to his commentary on psalm 90. luther is a very significant authority for the solid declaration and they quote luther in psalm 90 talking about the fall into sin and what the implications are and luther refers to this capacity to sin when he says this when the fathers defend free will here's what they mean it's capable of freedom in this sense that by god's grace it can be converted to good and become truly free for which it was created in the beginning and they appeal to saint augustine saint augustine was a great doctor of grace as he's called in the early church But if i could continue paragraph 24 nails it before a person and listen to the words they use before a person is enlightened converted regenerated renewed and drawn by the holy spirit and let me put a hard pause right now todd this is not a lengthy process later lutheran dogmaticians and particularly when they were influenced by pietism, came up with this schema that there was this process of conversion. Well, first you're enlightened, and you'll spend some time there. Then you're going to be converted, okay? So now you're converted, but then you got to be regenerated. And now we're going to talk about your renewal, blah, blah, blah. This is very, very unhelpful. There are some American theologians and smaller Lutheran church bodies who have been far too attracted to this to this paradigm of how we are converted. This happens instantaneously when the Holy Spirit works saving faith. Continuing in the Book of Concord here. So the human being cannot in any way, shape, or form by his own natural powers, again, begin, work, or agree to work in spiritual things. And here they use some interesting analogies. No more than a stone, a block, or a lump of clay can do anything to itself. He can control the outward members of his body and hear the gospel. He can, to a certain extent, meditate on it and discuss it, as we see with the Pharisees and hypocrites. But he regards it as foolishness. He cannot believe it. He acts even worse than a block of stone. He's rebellious and hostile to God's will unless the Holy Spirit is effective on him, kindles and works in him faith, and other abilities pleasing to God and obedience, they add. The third affirmative statement, they want
0: to make it very clear how Scripture comes down on this debate. Mm -hmm. The Holy Scriptures do not credit the human powers of the natural free will with conversion, faith in Christ, regeneration, renewal, and all that belongs to the effective beginning and end. That kind of puts the nail in the coffin, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. They do not credit free will the whole way, halfway. Or in any way, even in the smallest or most trivial way, they credit conversion solely and completely to the Holy Spirit's divine work, and then the Solid Declaration cites the Apology, where Melanchthon does properly explain this in the Apology.
0: I think in that section, they also go right back to, if anybody's listening carefully, hearing echoes of the explanation to the third article of the Creed, they even cite that from the small catechism don't they
1: yes and if we remember the kind of the hierarchy of authorities that are cited in the rule and norm of the formula of concord they mention the small catechism and there's no more beautiful in my opinion there's no more beautiful paragraph written by anyone at any time outside of the holy scriptures to explain all this than luther's explanation of the third article of the creed i cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, so on and so forth. And they do. They follow through. They quote the Apology. They quote the small called articles in paragraph 33, which is, of course, Luther. And then they go to Luther's large catechism. And then they also, as you say, they refer to the small catechism, and they explicitly cite his explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed. When they take up the issue of conversion
0: per se, contrary to what kind of modern pop Christianity would do,
1: they speak about the means
0: of grace, don't they?
1: Yes, and it's interesting, again, another just kind of the hermeneutics, how you interpret the Book of Concord. You'll notice in paragraph 43, again, they reach out to one of Luther's major doctrinal treatises, his confession concerning Christ's supper, and they pull this discussion into this point, at this point, where Luther says, I herewith reject and condemn as sheer error all doctrines that glorify our free will. And he goes on to explain that if we don't get this straight, there's nothing we can do on the contrary we will remain dupes and captives of sin property of the devil and to think what pleases them and contrary to god and his commands and so they conclude with these words luther and it's interesting to see how they refer to luther they do it in various ways here they refer to luther as dr luther of blessed and holy memory credits our free will with no power at all to qualify itself for righteousness or strive after it but he says a person is blinded and held captive and then they go on to cite his book of Genesis commentary which by the way is another extremely important document for the interpretation of the Lutheran confessions the book of Genesis happened to be Luther's last major project in his life he spent a number of years at the very end of his life lecturing very slowly through the book of Genesis so there's it's filled with all kinds of doctrinal observations
0: when they get to the subject of a conversion how do they explain what God actually does in a person turning them from an unbeliever to a believer beginning there at, at paragraph 48?
1: Yeah, so they've, you know, some people, they've exhausted the subject. Well, they have to. They had to. Then they turn to conversion. And then they say, now we will explain how a person's converted, how and through what means, and this is where... The means of grace doctrine of our church, as we call it, or simply the fact that God works through an external preaching and teaching of the word, specifically the word of the good news of Jesus, the gospel, and the holy sacraments, this is how, as they put it, the Holy Spirit wants to be effective in us, to work and bestow in our hearts true repentance, faith, and new spiritual power, and the ability to do good. Let me just repeat that last phrase, this is something that gets lost in the shuffle among us sometimes. We are converted to Jesus Christ, we are moved to true repentance, faith, okay? Having that then, we also understand at the same time, not as a cause of, but as a consequence of, our justification by grace, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone, we are given new spiritual power and the ability to do good. Of course, not the old nature, but the new nature, but we're speaking to the entire Christian here. There are some who would suggest that even Christians can't do anything good whatsoever at all. No, we are given this new spiritual power and the ability to do good, and further, how we should respond to these means and use them. And then they say, why? Because it's not God's will that anybody should be damned, but that all people should be converted to him and saved eternally. We're talking about free
0: will and the solid declaration of the Formula of Concord in our series on the Lutheran Confessions with Pastor Paul McCain. We'll take up the genius of these confessions in that they did not fall off the horse on the other side after this. Prayers for anxiety, assurance, forgiveness, plagues, sickness, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April contains more than 500 prayers that cover almost any situation. It's titled Lutheran Prayer Companion. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or find out more and purchase Lutheran Prayer Companion by calling Concordia Publishing House weekdays during regular business hours, 1-800-325-3040. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April, Lutheran Prayer Companion.
4: Listen to the best of the Church's music for the season of Lent at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, lutheranpublicradio.org.
3: What is the Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's a monthly magazine on faith and life, theology and culture that helps readers interpret the contemporary world from a Lutheran Christian perspective. Filled with expert insights, good writing, and inspiring stories, it also provides essential church information for LCMS members. What is The Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's the flagship periodical of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and it has been for more than a century. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe today.
4: Deaconesses are women trained to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through works of mercy, spiritual care, and teaching of the Christian faith. The word deaconess means servant. Find out more on how you can serve in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod through the vocation of deaconess at lcms.org. deaconess Working in faith, laboring in love, remaining steadfast in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. LCMS Deaconess Ministry lcms dot deaconess
2: You can teach laypeople theology. You're listening to Issues Etc.
3: Not only does our church need men right now, but the world needs men who will proclaim the gospel in its purity.
0: Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Peter Scare, Associate Professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
3: If when you go to sleep at night you're thinking about it, my experience with it is this, is that thought won't go away. So if you're going to bed at night thinking about following our Lord and becoming a preacher of this gospel, then I would love if you could come and visit Fort Wayne, our campus. We'd love to show you around and show you what it is that we do.
0: Have you ever considered becoming a pastor? Contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana at 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu. Christ-centered, cross-focused Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Paul McCain is our guest, general editor of Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions. Our series on the Confessions, talking about free will in the solid declaration of the Formula of Concord. Paul, you got to marvel at the reformer's genius in not falling off the horse on the other side and asserting that must have been a temptation to do so. That that regenerate man still has no free
1: will. Todd, that's a great point, because again, going back to the phrase, new spiritual power and the ability to do good. We think of Romans 6, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, The old has passed away. The new has come. That's who we now actually are. We are new creations. Baptism in Titus is referred to a washing of regeneration. And I've said it before, the word in Greek for generate is the same word from whence we get the name the book of genesis creation we are new and this is this is the real us and it is the real us for all eternity yes the body's going to die we are with the lord at that point waiting for the resurrection of all flesh this is who we are forever now god has thrown out the old and he's continually through this life in this body forming and shaping us. No, we don't reach perfection. That's another error that has to be refuted. You know, we're not going to get like, oh, we're going to get the 99%, and then when we die, boom, we get that extra 1%. No, this is a daily rising, uh, this is a daily drowning and, and coming back to life again, as Luther would refer to it in the small catechism. But yeah, this is God's will for us now, that we are In him free liberated sin no longer has control over us we are not simply destined to always sin I get concerned sometimes when again perhaps for good reason I mean well intentions and all that good intentions notwithstanding when we lead people when we lead Christians people who are been have been made new in Christ and we keep giving them the impression that they will always be the sin sick soul sick horribly depressed people who can do nothing right and should spend their whole life feeling bad about their sin when in fact they should be told, you are forgiven, you are free. If you fall on your face every hour of every day, the gospel is going to pick you back up. The Holy Spirit is with you to work with you and to keep you going. I love the way that they then reintroduce a new way of thinking about
0: cooperation. They're in the middle of paragraph 65 As soon as God would withdraw his gracious hand from that person, he would not for a moment keep obeying God. But if anyone takes St. Paul's words in in this sense, the converted person cooperates with the Holy Spirit the way the two horses draw a wagon Mm -hmm. together. This would not be allowed in any way without damaging divine truth. They want to talk about cooperation, but in a very particular sense
1: what can you say it's it's just so clear it says as soon as and again we have to shut off any of this idea that there's this lengthy drawn out conversion process that may take years you know as you move from stage to stage no When the holy spirit comes he comes entirely when the gifts are given they're all given entirely completely there's no need for a second baptism there's no place for any of that kind of thinking we have him whole and complete and as soon as he be has begun this work of regeneration and renewal as you said as you quoted this text we can and should cooperate through his power although still in great weakness and understand this cooperation doesn't come from our fleshly, natural, fallen, I'm adding words here, sinful, fallen natures, but from the new powers and gifts that the Holy Spirit has begun in us in conversion. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians six eight, he encourages us, quote, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. But this should never mean that somehow someone's just striking out on their own now, it's always because of the holy spirit ruling and guiding and leading us they say
0: quite flatly in paragraph 67 contrary to what we often hear even in lutheran circles paul there is a great difference between baptized and unbaptized people how did this notion that there's no difference between the baptized
1: and unbaptized gain currency Todd, that's a very interesting point. And again, I'll just say it. I'm sorry, I can't come up with a better way of putting it. I'm not disparaging or questioning the good intentions or good motives, but uh, you know, what's the phrase? The word to hell is aligned with good intentions. This idea that there really is nothing whatsoever that can be discerned about people who are baptized faithful Christians and those who are not, is that actually true? I hope not. I hope not. What we're saying is, in spite of everything God promises us that happens when he draws us to himself and renews us and recreates us and forgives us, that there is absolutely no change whatsoever in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our actions. That idea is explicitly rejected by the scriptures. Explicitly rejected. If there's not, we have spiritual problems we have spiritual problems. As 2 Corinthians 6 puts it, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And let me just say this, anybody out there saying, oh, but when I hear this, then I suddenly doubt if I've done enough or if I'm doing enough good works. Please don't say that to me. I only want to hear, well, you know what? get over it. You are a new creation in God. Say with St. Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to keep going because the grace of God is with me. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. 1 Corinthians 3.9. 2 Corinthians 6. Working together with him, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So yes, the person who is new in Jesus Christ is new They turn to negative statements with the statement, now we can
0: see, expose, censure, and reject the following opposite dogmas and errors. They have a pretty quick list, I think, of four errors, both ancient and contemporary to the Reformers. What are they?
1: Well, it's interesting here. They first of all refer to the folly of the Stoics, which was a school of thought that basically uh, Marcus Aurelius was a great Stoic Roman Emperor, the great poet who also slaughtered barbarians by the thousands in Germany, but that's another story. The folly of the Stoics. that You just go through life kind of heroically and in a very manly way, just taking whatever comes, and whatever happens must happen, and we just kind of hack it through that way. Or the Manichaeans who pose, well, there has to be this equal... Kind of, there's an evil force and there's a positive force. etc. manichaeanism was basically whether George Lucas realized it or not, his whole concept of the Force, the evil and the you know the dark the dark side and the light side. This is pure manichaean thinking. So they they just kind of plow that over that uh, we have no ability whatsoever to do anything good in any form of outward life that we can't or that we can't avoid outward sins so on and so forth. And then, of course, we've talked about the Pelagians, and here they're referring to the classic full-bore gross Pelagians, the great Pelagians, that the free will from its own natural powers without the Holy Spirit can turn to God and believe the gospel. That position is the only consistent position to take. Subtle Pelagianism is just, you know, kind of a cop-out. But say it. And frankly, we see full-bore Pelagianism in the theory that you know, Billy Graham followed his whole life. I'm going to preach the gospel and then I'm going to call people to the altar and have them now express their acceptance of this. Now, again, I want to be fair. I have heard this argued that well, all he was doing was helping people recognize what the Holy Spirit had just worked in their heart when he brought them to faith. Well, that's pretty, pretty subtle. So we can't be obedient to God's law from the heart. The other error, and this is high medieval theology, the error of the papists and scholastics who have acted, I'm quoting, somewhat in a, in a somewhat more crafty way, here's the real problem, that a person from his own natural powers can begin to do good And maybe if they stopped there, it wouldn't be so bad. But he can begin to convert himself. And the reason you need God's intervening grace is to get the job done. He gives you a little injection of grace, and then throughout your life, he's going to keep giving you more and more grace to help you continue to cooperate and bring it to completion. This is classic Roman Catholic theology of what's called infused grace. And then, in paragraph 4, and you notice which is a longer paragraph, here they are blasting, without naming him, Philip Melanchthon. The teaching of the synergists who pretend that a person is not absolutely dead to good in spiritual things, but badly wounded and half dead. Now, Again, Melanchthon said things that were wrong and set in motion what his disciples took and just ran with. So this paragraph four is rejecting the teaching of Philip Melanchthon and his followers in Wittenberg who brought this to a head in 1555 to 1560.
0: They also want to reject the teaching of perfectionism essentially as manifested in monasteries.
1: Yeah, and this is the whole basis of the whole system of papism, that we are able to do these high and mighty works and to a point where we can even completely fulfill God's law in this life. And it is through that fulfilling of the law that we are now righteous before God and merit eternal life. Now, if you believe that, if, if that's what people believe and teach about what monks are doing, you can see why it became so important for whoever could afford to endow masses to be said by these holy people doing holy things. Meanwhile, I go about my humdrum life. But this perfectionism, this has plagued Protestant Christianity with these quote-unquote holiness movements. You've got groups, and I'm sure you've run across them, Todd, and when people run across this for the first time, they're shocked. There are Christians out there who absolutely will say, no, I don't sin anymore. I have stopped sinning. You look at them and you're like, What did you just say? So, you know, the Apostle John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But somehow they get themselves to a point where they say, well, the Holy Spirit has made it possible for me now to be absolutely perfect. And of course, what's the danger there? You're taking your eyes off the need of Christ on the cross for you, not at the beginning, not just in the middle, not only for the end, but your whole entire life.
0: When we come back, they were also concerned about the enthusiasts and their rejection of the means of grace. We're talking about free will in our series on the Lutheran Confessions with Pastor Paul McCain. I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled Closed Communion, Biblical, Historical, Lutheran, and Loving. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Nancy Almodovar writes about her journey from the profound doubt produced by her former Calvinist beliefs to the absolute certainty of Lutheran theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. This week on The Word
2: of the Lord Endures Forever, we're journeying on in Hebrews. Able to save to the uttermost? We have such a high priest. The new covenant, the replica of the reality and its meaning, and redemption and the blood. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordendures.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio app. Truth centered mission outreach. You're listening to Issues, etc. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia University Chicago, with a message for parents, grandparents, and godparents of college bound children. Concordia Chicago is a distinctive, comprehensive university of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're devoted to our Lutheran confession and committed to strong academics. Please encourage your child, grandchild, or godchild to check out Concordia University Chicago at cuchicago.edu.
0: Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about free will. Pastor Paul McCain, general editor of Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, is our guest. In this list of attendant concerns that they have, they also list the enthusiasts, and it seems as though their objection there is not so much to the view of conversion as to the enthusiast's rejection of the means of grace.
1: Yes, and this is so dangerous because if you have no external outward assurance of God's love and grace for you. In other words, if you don't believe the Holy Spirit is, in fact, active and working through that living Word of God, and that God acts without any means, without the hearing of that divine Word, without the use of the sacraments, then what are you left to? You are left to, basically, only judging whether or not you have been truly enlightened or justified and saved and drawn by God to himself because of your emotional state and this plagues so many of these well-meaning christians And i'm not saying they're not saved you know i'm not saying they don't believe in jesus so let's not get carried away there but their basis of certainty is so shaky what happens next week when they're emotionally devastated they're always running from a spiritual high to a spiritual high And it's so dangerous because all the time Jesus Christ is there with his objective word of promise, the forgiveness of sins, and the Holy Spirit is working through that word and through the sacraments to keep you and preserve you in the faith.
0: They reject the notion that conversion utterly destroys the old Adam. Why?
1: Well, you know, this kind of gets at what we talked about last time, this error that uh, the absolute nature of man is itself intrinsically evil and that we have to have a completely new essence of what it is to be a human soul. This is a problem because, well, like we talked about last week, this would be to attribute to God the creation of evil. And it's interesting. They cite St. Augustine and they say he rebukes this errors in his commentary on Psalm 25, or he quotes St. Paul, Ephesians 4, about put off your old self. And uh, let's just hear Augustine. Lest anyone might think that the substance or essence of a person is to be laid aside, he himself explains what it is to lay aside the old man, referring to St. Paul, and to put on the new, when he says, "...putting away lying, speak the truth." Behold, that is to put off the old man and to put on the new. So we have to be careful that we don't fall into this error that we covered last week where we say the very essence of what it is to be a human being now is sin. That is untrue.
0: They have one more error to reject here, and that is that the human will before, in, and after conversion resists the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is given to those who resist him they're in paragraph 82
1: yeah you know it sounds confusing at first but all they're trying to say simply is if in fact a person does not believe this promise and entirely resists the word that's a key phrase entirely resists the word then no there hasn't been a conversion for and this is a very important concept conversion is the kind of change through the holy spirit's work in a person's intellect what he thinks in his will, what he desires. And finally, the heart that by the Holy Spirit's work a person can receive the offered grace. Indeed, all those who stubbornly and persistently resist the Holy Spirit's works and movements do not receive but grieve and lose the Holy Spirit. And I'm sorry, I always feel a need to qualify this because, again, who gives a hoot about this except the person who actually is in the faith and is struggling? This is not said to, the, to a person who is weak in faith or is doubting or is struggling. You know, God says, the smoldering wick I will not extinguish. You know what that's like when you have a candle and the flame's burning bright and you put a snuffer over it and you think it's out, you lift it up and there's that still little tiny glow at the end of that wick. That's still living faith. Now, it's weak, it needs to be fed and nurtured by the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a person who stubbornly and persistently refuses to accept the Holy Spirit work. The great example the Book of Concord uses is the difference between St. Peter's repentance and Judas' despair. Peter was moved to deep repentance, and he did not resist the Holy Spirit's work. He was restored. Judas just simply despaired of it all, resisted, ignored, set aside the forgiving grace of God.
0: This last section is, is usually titled Terms and Expressions, but it seems what they're trying to do in the last few pages of this section on the free will is paraphrase Paul in Romans chapter 7.
1: Yes, and I wanted to pause here. This gives us a good opportunity to cover another very important key theological insight in the Book of Concord, the Solid Declaration specifically, and its summary, the epitome, It's very important for us to keep using the terms and expressions given to us by Scripture in the same way. In other words, don't play games with the terminology of the faith. Don't try to be cute by coming up with a new way of saying something. I just, honestly, I I hate it. I hate it, okay? I hear people saying, well, the Holy Spirit repents us. Why would you say something like that? It's completely unnecessary. Trying to be clever can really get you in trouble really fast, This is called the hypotepesis in the Greek, or the form of pure doctrine. We stick even to the very terms and phrases. So, let me tell you why this is so important. Because people were trying to run with, for instance, what Luther said once that in conversion, a person is purely passive, pure passive. I don't know why I remember that, but Dr. Robert Preuss would always say that pure passive, purely passive. This means a person does nothing at all toward conversion but only undergoes what God works in him. Now, Luther did not mean that this conversion takes place without the preaching and hearing of God's word. Nor does he mean, this is a very important assurance, nor does he mean that in conversion, no new emotion whatever is awakened in us by the Holy Spirit and no spiritual operation begun, okay? We're not saying that. People who leave people with this impression that, eh, you're the same before or after your conversion. Don't worry about it. This is wrong. This is wrong. What Luther meant, and the solid declaration affirms this very clearly, is a person by himself, from his own powers, cannot do anything to help towards conversion. And you're right, this is all reflecting the very, very explicit teaching of the text of the Apostolic Scriptures. Most importantly, St. Paul, Romans 7, 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the end of Paul's conundrum about wanting to do something and not doing it and then not doing it when he does he says, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin, this old man, new man thing. So we have to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to get tripped up over phrases and terminology and then try to get cute about it and end up redefining things and confusing everything.
0: In that vein, a great student of the Lutheran Confessions, uh, Pastor Brian Wolf Miller, said something so insightful on issues, et cetera, a couple of years back, It's it's not that the will cooperates in conversion. It the will is converted in conversion. I thought, wow, that Brian Wolf Miller's smart. But then I find he stole it from the formula of Concord right there in the, near the end of paragraph ninety. The intellect of the will of an unregenerate person are nothing other than what needs to be converted. Your final thoughts there with about a minute.
1: You know, it, it, it's funny. Yeah, I know. I do all. I do the same thing all the time. And yeah, no, Brian's fantastic in recent weeks, it's been popping, this phrase that I bumped across in the book of Concord, conversion is not of the individual act, but of the entire person. And for some reason, when I read that for the first time years ago, and I have no idea why I remember things and why I can't remember some things to save my life. But that phrase, I think it's from the apology, is exactly what they're getting at here. The intellect, every part of us, every aspect of what it is to be a human being post-fall must be converted. And the good news is they are converted. They are converted. A person, and just continuing, a person's will that is to be converted does nothing toward this work, but undergoes God's work alone in him until he is regenerate. And again, this is not a lengthy, drawn-out process. Then they conclude, that person works with the Holy Spirit to do what is pleasing to God in other good works that follow, in the way and to the extent fully set above." That's a very important sentence, and it probably is a more powerfully applicable statement in our some of our current squabbles over the place of how we teach and preach about good works, than just about anything else said in the uh, entire formula of Concord. Let me repeat it. That person, the one who is converted, works with the Holy Spirit to do what is pleasing to God in other good works that follow. Again, all because of the Holy Spirit. Paul, before we let you go,
0: tell us a little bit about the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April Lutheran Prayer
1: Companion. Oh, uh, This thing – I just was kidding around with Jeff. I said, this is the mother of all Lutheran prayer books. I mean, seriously, it is amazing. Matthew Carter translated this classic work of prayers. There's over 500 of them, more than 100 hymn texts. There's a topical prayer index. And the coolest thing about it is you get prayers from Martin Luther through all the great Lutheran teachers in history. And if it's not in there, you shouldn't be praying it. I mean, it is an amazing, an amazing book.
0: Find out more about Lutheran Prayer Companion, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for April at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and order it for yourself, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. Pastor Paul McCain is publisher and executive director of editorial for Concordia Publishing House based in St. Louis and general editor of Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions. Paul, thanks again.
1: And thank you, Todd. God bless.
0: Tomorrow on Issues Etc., we'll talk to Joy Pullman about major cultural shifts the coronavirus should make happen. And it's this week in Pop Christianity with Chris Rosebro. We'll also play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. So God leaves nothing to chance. Conversion, the entire Christian life, bringing us to faith, he places entirely in his hands. He takes it out of our hands where we would try and find some sort of false certainty He places it in his own hands. And they are the hands, in fact, of the crucified and risen Jesus, the one who has affected our salvation for all time and eternity. It makes sense that if salvation is all his work, conversion would be his job, too. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc.
2: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.
1: Trinity Orchard Farm is settled between two rivers showing the way to the water of life. For worship that is reverent, relevant, and refreshing like pure water, or for excellent education in a unique setting, check out our church and school. We're just five miles north of Highway 370 on Highway 94 in St. Charles County. Visit us on the web at trinityorchardfarm.com. That's trinityorchardfarm.com. Our phone number is 636-250-3350. Overnight, the
3: world has become a strange place. The abnormal has become the new normal.
2: Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary
3: in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Every faithful little church is an ark of salvation. With Christ on board, we will get safely to the other side. Be of good courage.
2: Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at IssuesETC.org.